Over the weekend, we hit another milestone. We have reached 1,000 total downloads on this show, and we couldn't have done it without you. So thank you very much for listening, and let's fucking go for the next 1,000. Can you feel your satisfaction? Welcome everyone to Fantasy Bookers. We are not doing an Undertaker episode, I guess, which was previously teased. We will just save it for a little bit down the line because we are looking at the AEW special event on Dynamite, Winter is Coming, which is not a Game of Thrones reference because according to Tony Khan, he's never heard of Game of Thrones. His mom watches it. And he hears that it's good. So if you were were wondering if that is a reference, at least according to Tony Khan, it is not. And I, frankly, do not believe him. I don't either. So so I wanted to talk about um, Winter is Coming specifically, just because as we got information coming down after this event, There seems to be, one, a lot of news coming out of this. Two, it was a good show. Like, not notwithstanding, I think if we do, like, best event of the year, I might nominate this. And I'll get into my reasons why later. Um, But also, in terms of the actual numbers that have come out of this, it seems really interesting. One of the highest viewerships for, uh, general viewership for, the episode since pretty much their debut. They tied for the top-rated show on Wednesday for this event um, in the 18-49 to 49 demographic. And with Sting's debut, they sold out, or not, they didn't sell out, they sold more of the Sting Pro Wrestling Tees shirt in 24 hours than any other Pro Wrestling Tees shirt that has existed. So I don't know if people were just really waiting to buy Sting merch or waiting to buy AEW merch, but I don't know. That seems somewhat important here. So I feel feel like this further backs my point that AEW is like Impact and is for old people because my dad watches TNA, or not TNA, AEW. And every time somebody cool has a shirt, he buys it. And I bet you dollars to donuts that one of those idiots that helped those sales is my dad. Well, I'm calling get, it now. I will get <laughs> into that and also the reasons why you're wrong still on the <laughs> on the impact light and um and it's for old people tangent, especially since the demographic that they've been doing well in is 18 to 49 and not 50 plus, but aside from that. (laughs) Well, I mean, but I think we can say here, 18 to 49 is a pretty broad range. And I also think a lot of people can make successful arguments that the older age group starts before 50. I mean, how much stuff does a 37-year-old and an 18-year-old have in common? Plus, who the hell is marking out for a sting? It's not kids. What 18-year-old is marking out for a sting? It's kind of freaking me out here. I have no idea, and, and St- honestly, Sting's shirt is not very good. Like, if you go, it, Sting has one shirt on pro wrestling tees right now, and it doesn't look great. So, I, I'm not sure on the like purchases of it. 
But aside from that, we'll get into the get into the matches here because there were only five matches on the actual card for this event, but they seem to all forward storyline. We had the start with a battle royal, and I need to say it because I said it as part of the uh, Survivor Series battle royal. I hate when someone is on the outside who's not actually eliminated and comes back. I know AEW is trying to do their weird little thing where there's two winners of this battle royal, so everything's okay. But I feel like they could have done the finish a little bit better. But are there any stories coming out of this battle royal that you guys seem to like be intrigued in or interested in where it goes, aside from the upcoming MJF versus Orange Cassidy match? I'm interested. They used it to continue going with the... Hangman Page Dark Order story, which is just interesting to me. I want to see where they go with that. They're also using it seemingly to help turn Matt Hardy heel on TV by having him eliminate Hangman Page, by having him be eliminating one half of Private Party, who are supposed to be like his little protégés now. Yeah, that entire area was kind of muddled. I'm led to believe the Dark Order are heels, yet they're helping Hangman Page, and they're getting more and more likable. The heels are getting more and more likable. And the face is more hateable. I'm supposed to cheer for Matt Hardy, but he keeps doing shit I don't like. Uh, I I haven't been able to cheer for Matt Hardy like as, as private party's manager. I hated that that white it's savior gimmick. Um, so him turning on them, I'm actually I'm... kind of a fan of that. That's great. Fucking just end the white savior. Matt Hardy is here to save you thing. My favorite thing was Scorpio Sky and Sean Spears. Sean Spears. Their stare down at the beginning of the match and then their story in the middle of the match. I I can't wait to see with where whatever that is goes. That's going to be a good feud. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm a fan of seeing how Tully Blanchard's stable kind of expands and seeing him kind of wrangle his wrist together ominously and the audience looking all evil and shit i just i still get a kick out of that it's very early 90s to me like watching cat from inspector gadget be evil so andy since you watched dark as well along with me here um what do you think of scorpio sky just looking nonplussed at sean spears about various things frankly i think it's amazing and i want them to run with this for a while but it needs to grow like, occasionally we need another wrestler to just come in with him and sit angrily. And have it be people completely unrelated to the storyline. Create a sense of menace that no one's quite sure why it's there, because it is a great comedic relief that needs no takeaway from the actual match itself. I do have one question about their feud that may have that may have gotten an answer in an episode of Dark I didn't watch. <laughs> why is Sean Spears calling Scorpio Sky a thief? He, uh, he took the slug. Ah. Or he took one of the slugs. Thank so, you. That, I've been having that question for a while, and it was something innocuous. So. If only the commentator team could touch on that. That would be nice. But, I mean, in fairness, we did get to find out more about JR's barbecue. That's true. That was on the edge of my seat about that. Did he say barbecue sauce in the Battle Royal? Sorry. I, I've come I don't to remember where, where it I was. just kind of tuned out uh, JR on commentary. <laughs> I think it was towards the end of the Battle Royale, but I may be misremembering. But yeah, it was basically just like completely out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, he's putting some sauce on it. And he goes, yeah, and speaking of sauce, remember, we have barbecue sauce at jrbarbecue.com. Licking his yeah, fingers that. as he says it. I, there was one thing I did not like about this Battle Royale. And it really, it's not that I didn't like. It was just what I would have preferred it to be. I would have preferred it to be Wardlow and Orange Cassidy. I agree. Just because I like Ward, I've I've come very much around on Wardlow from when they started doing those vignettes on him and when he first debuted. I think the logic there is they're trying to keep MJF as strong as possible for an eventual Chris Jericho feud. Yeah. So they can't even have him lose. I'm surprised that they had Adam Page go out in the middle of the pack, but I guess that works with his storyline, yeah. where. He's going to just kind of be in the in the periphery for a bit until they move him. Anyway, that kind so of that... sucks. I, I, um, I feel like that kind of sucks. As, a, as someone who was a fan of the Kenny Omega Hangman Page tag team, seeing one go off to the side and one heads up to the top, I, I hope Hangman Page keeps keeps doing okay. 
it gives him a story to deal with. So now that it gives him something to do while Kenny's doing while while him and Kenny are separated for them to eventually come back and have a feud later. Yeah, and Kenny's already in an overbooked feud as it is from this, but we'll get into that when we get to the main event. <laughs> so um, next up was Chris Jericho against Frankie Kazarian. I like Frankie Kazarian. He's a good wrestler. He looks like Randy Orton's like older cousin that just didn't make it and constantly tells you about how good he was in high, in high school football. This match was okay. Um, it was a clear storyline match and i'm not sure how people are feeling about the the general uh inner circle storyline with them like fraying with mjf and wardlow now in it mjf teasing the throwing in the towel with uh chris jericho in the chris jericho is no longer really flexible walls of jericho that frankie kazarian had him in (laughs) um and all of that other fun stuff so what do people think here? I I feel like this match happened ten years too late. Bingo. I they this match could have been good if it happened in like two thousand five. Even if it was Codebreaker Jericho, this could have worked. But this Jericho is so over the hill. He's making utter, completely fine wrestlers look bad. Kazarian is still amazing. Jericho made this look slow and just lethargic and sluggish. And I didn't really care for a Frankie Kazarian match, which is crazy to me because I've loved that guy since TNA. I still have Frankie Kazarian matches. But Jericho brings down the quality of the matches he's in. And he he needs to go. And I, as a Jericho-holic, I'm reminded of that every single time he's in the ring. And it's cringeworthy. Well, I'm really wondering... You know, if it's that if he's over the hill or if he really just needs to kick his ass and get back into shape. Because Tony and I were actually talking about this this weekend. Um, and we looked at some, like, stuff from even five years ago. And the man looks like he's aged 15 years and five. Yeah. I said the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah, ridiculous. If you, yeah, if you look at Chris Jericho gifts um, alone, like, you can definitely see stuff from 2015 when he was doing the list of Jericho. And he has his shirt off. And even then he, like... I don't I feel like he should have gone back to like the the pants instead of the trunks that he was wrestling in at the time. He still had a decent upper body. Now he just looks like and sorry to sorry to shame, but he traded his core day for chicken wing day. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like we traded Infinity Ward, Chris Jericho for Endgame, Chris Jericho. It feels like someone took a Chris Jericho action figure and left it in the backseat of the car on a hot sunny day, and it kind of just blobbed together. Melted Jericho. But I mean, but but that's actually got me thinking. And so I, I dig in a few pictures, and I'm really wondering if, and this is purely speculation, nothing to back it up, and it's a question, not an accusation. Is there a lifestyle issue? Is Jericho not taking good enough care of himself for the career he's trying to compete in? I think I'm... it's also a matter, it's not so much a matter of it's of physical appearance either as it is your skill. Look right. at he's TV. slower, he's gassed. You can be a bigger guy. There's plenty of examples of it. You can be an older guy, plenty of examples of it. But you have to maintain fitness. All look aside, you need to be fit. And seeing Jericho move, he's probably fit for his age, but I don't know if he's fit to be a wrestler. Yeah, we, um, Andy, I remember watching a lot of like old Roman Reigns Royal Rumbles where Roman did like two or three moves and then ended up in the corner just sucking wind. And Mm -hmm. the at, at the finish of the match where they're running around decently because it's the finish of the match. And the match ends after he hits the Judas effect. Jericho immediately just rolls out and like hangs out on the on the side and just sucks wind. So <laughs> I think he is I think he is absolutely fine in terms of like you you seem to understand that the storyline is calling for you to kind of bow out here and for MJF to take it. Um but I don't know. Maybe he's going a little bit too hard onto the like, hey, I'm going to be touring with Fozzie again pretty soon, so fuck it. Yeah. 
There is at, so... at the same time, I, I feel that he should play up the coward bit at that point. If the whole thing is he's getting gassed very easily, getting winded very easily, and he's not very physically imposing, he should stop being booked like he's physically imposing. I feel like he's wailing on dudes half his age and twice his size that he should not be wailing on. Like, he's not that fast. He's not that strong. So why is he able to dominate the way that he is? Unless it's just using pure cutting. But he doesn't show that cutting in his matches. He doesn't show that he's an opportunist or anything. He just kind of mows people down by just running against the ropes a lot. And it's It doesn't fit his character. He acts like he's bigger than he actually is. So any final thoughts on Jericho against Frankie Kazarian or the the inner circle breakup since they have the like whole Sammy Guevara framing at the very end. I have I'm, one more. Comment. I feel like oh, it's, I feel like I feel like they're rushing us. The they I feel like they are rushing uh MJF's time in the inner circle to the inner circle falling apart because he's only been part of the inner circle for a month at most. Whenever I don't remember exactly when when full gear was in that following dynamite. Yeah, so, full gear was at the beginning of November, so it so would yeah, be less than a month. month. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I would say that more than likely what's going to happen on the next dynamite, since they have the ultimatum of Chris Jericho saying he's leaving until the inner circle gets their shit together. Um, I think that it's just going to end up it's kind of going to be a tease to get as much of that um, 913,000 people back um, thinking that something's going to happen and they're just going to like resolve things and it's going to be tenuous and then they're going to live with it for like another three or so weeks. Uh, yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. I feel it's, I feel this whole dissension angle with them is being rushed. And also if I never have to see Chris Jericho kick out of a roll up, it'll be too soon. <laughs> He doesn't so much kick out of the roll-up as his opponent just stops pinning him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least, you know, we're still above them doing, like, a hard cut and it obviously being someone 20 years younger doing the move and then cutting back to him. <laughs> I'd be so down if that. They start space-copping Chris Jericho. Like, it's just clearly Alex Riley in a, rig, in a wig. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is one last thing I did want to comment on, and that is I got to give Chris Jericho some you know, some credit for his negotiation skills. That man negotiated a punch free contract for AEW and it's never been more evident than in this fight. They cut angles. They moved the framing of cameras all to avoid you seeing his gut. And it's impressive in its own way. He has the David Hasselhoff contract, the David Hasselhoff Baywatch Knights contract. (laughs) Um, So next we have the only women's match on the card. And it is Britt Baker against Layla Hirsch. I am personally pretty high on Layla Hirsch. She's been doing, yeah, having good matches on Dark. I think she should be part of Team Taz. Um, and like every faction should have a women's wrestler in it. But aside from that, this match furthered the uh, the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker feud. The most we got in terms of the AEW Women's Championship is uh, a quick promo from Hikaru Shida regarding her fight with Abaddon, who's still partially recovering um, from being hit in the throat by Tay Conti. But um, so aside from that, what did you think of Britt Baker in a match? Because it's been a little bit. It's been a hot second. I I laughed a lot at Tony under his breath calling calling Brit a bitch during her entrance. Yeah. yeah, I heard that too. I was like, wow, all right, Jesus. All right, thank you, Tony Chavone. Well, there's uh, another, one other thing I think we need to call them on as well, which is that they did this whole big intro setup. And it's like, yeah, she's from Russia, hailing out of Moscow, blah, 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 blah. She And she gets in the ring. And the very first thing from the commentary desk, the very fucking first thing is, yeah, she lives in New Jersey and she was a champion in this event. They eventually clear that up with how she was born in Russia and then no, I know, lost her if, parents. And if the whole bit is that she's from Russia, she's Russian, then don't well, undercut it right away. Well, that bit was the whole bit of her being from Russia was was what Brit was saying, and Brit's gimmick right now is she. 
she's only going to learn the basest things she can and not and try to use that to uh to get under her opponent's skin. She did a segment on Dark with Ty Conti where she asked how to pronounce her name and then continued to call her then continued to pronounce it wrong after being told what the correct pronunciation was. I hate so I think, Baker. So character is just a bitch. That's yeah. That's her gimmick. I hate Britt Baker. I don't. I don't like her character. I don't like her hair. Yeah. I don't like her Steelers cheerleader outfit. I don't like the way she wrestles. I don't like the way she acts. I don't like the way she looks. I just don't like her. I. I want to. I do, especially since she's. You know, one half of Mr. and Mrs. Adam Cole. You know, you would think that some of his charm and charisma and personality and ability to wrestle would rub off on her. No. Uh, <laughs> it, I don't know. It seems to me that Adam Cole and Brett Baker play the same kind of heels. Like, they, just the same person, only gender swapped. They do. He's good at it. She's not. It's it's and it's she's going with this dentist gimmick. Okay, fine, you're a dentist. Why the fuck does she look like a Steelers cheerleader? Either you're a dentist or you're a cheerleader. And I'm not I'm not trying to you know shit on the dichotomy of professions like cheerleading or professions like dentistry. I'm saying that if your character is a dentist and your entrance music is a dentist, and then you come out looking like a cheerleader. I'm just confused. That's that is the, in the future. I mean, the other yeah. part of her the other part of her gimmick besides being a dentist is she's from Pittsburgh. Ah, got it. Okay, all, cool. So she, we she doesn't have actually have a personality. She has I'm from this sports city, so go that sports team. And also, here's my arbitrary education that I'm not using because it's 2020 and fuck this economy. Yes, that's that's Britt Baker. Perfect. I hate her. She has that. She has the personality of a lot of white of a lot of mid to late twenties white girls. Of my personality is my job in my hometown. <laughs> is that the homemaker? I I don't have friends. Is it obvious? Like, how do people function with like that with those two things <laughs> as a fucking personality? Jesus it's, Christ! That's like me going. I'm from New York and I eat pizza. I yes, I use that, but it's not all I've got. I am going to be the AEW apologist and say with Britt Baker, her her heelness seems very deliberate. It seems like you hating her for what she is doing <laughs> is her doing heel work correctly. Because I I was very, very like not holding stock in Britt Baker because her face run was terrible. Um but with her with her heel run, I mean, even starting on the Jericho cruise with talking about how Tony Schiavone was a barista and talking about how they're best friends and all this <laughs> other stuff, I think she's just tapping into, like, to steal from Tony Schiavone the, the like, this bitch uh, type mentality. Like, coming into, say, a a restaurant and seeing someone just complain that their burger is cold or some bullshit it it seems very deliberate to like tap into that style of person for heel work one of those people hate this type of person so if if i am this type of person people will hate me yeah her character is fine that's she's really good at that my issue of her is her ring work i think her personality is great like you said she really is gender swap adam cole and that's why i found her appealing and then she gets in the ring, and she's not gender-swapped Adam Cole, and she has the worst sling blade I've ever seen in my life, and her moves are very botchy, and just, uh, maybe we okay. should have her friend uh, wrestle to keep her in the mic. First of all, I completely agree with you. Um, there are two spots specifically that I didn't like, but one, can we just put a moratorium on the sling blade completely, because the sling blade is a fucking dumb move. Yes. <laughs> There's only one guy that can do it, and that's Finn Balor. There's two guys who can do it, because there's Finn Balor, and then here's Hiromu Takahashi, who Finn Balor learned it from. Not Hiromu, Hiromu Takahashi. Hiroshi Tanahashi, who Finn Balor learned it from. (laughs) (laughs) Right, those two are allowed to do it. No one else. 
But yeah, everyone everyone who does the sling blade just does the I am spinning and jumping near you and you fall down. That is the yeah. sling blade. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what do you But the other spot, and I can't help but like I, I'm hoping that it gets gift is her super kick when Layla Hirsch is like on her knees where she just kind of puts her foot on Layla Hirsch's face and just extends her legs slowly. It was the greatest super <laughs> kick I've ever seen. I thought it was slow motion. I thought it was just crazy special effects. Bullet time happened. I mean, but I mean, I will say this for that though. With Lay- with Layla Hirsch's height though, she was probably just trying to make sure she didn't kick over Layla's head. That would have looked cooler. Layla Hirsch is what I would look like as a professional wrestler. Just fucking short. Just short. Just hard to reach because I'm short. That's it. She is a gender swap puck. So Andy, since you watch Dark, so you've seen a lot of you saw a lot of like the jobber women's matches and you are vaguely familiar with the AEW women's division. Do you see a ceiling for Layla Hirsch? Do you think she's worth pushing or just kind of someone who should be on the periphery or mid card of the, of the women's division? I think they need to improve her gimmick a little bit, but outside of that, I think they should push her. She's very athletic very dynamic she actually is very good with working with her partners at least in this match um which is meant my first one seeing her um you know from what i've seen of her i think she has the potential i think she needs the investment makes sense she could be worse she could be resh chanel or however you pronounce her first name <laughs> oh yeah there, there's a lot so um i'm probably hey, i'm probably going to for the month of december look at um doing a few like mini episodes kind of like what giant bomb does where it's like hey any individual host can create a top 10 list of whatever the hell they want because i really want to just talk into a microphone about my top 10 jobbers of AEW dark <laughs> oh, but anyway. I, will wa- I will watch if you give me matches i will watch them and i will i will argue with you about it this will be great <laughs> they should make a retribution storyline where all the dark guys just gang up on the main roster dudes Oh, and before we get to Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes, since I forgot that this was a segment, and I told uh, Marwin and Suzette, I told you guys uh, what you thought of the Acclaimed. What did you think of the Acclaimed doing a promo on uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, very poorly? I was poor, mostly because I hate the Young Bucks, and I'll take anything I could get against them. <laughs> I love the... John Cena meets Private Party meets the Primetime Players meets, I'm pretty sure he read his rap from cue cards. I do not think that that was an original thought. I don't think that was something that was practiced or rehearsed. I think it was something that was read. And it was fucking awful i don't like them i didn't like that promo i hate the young bucks and i they weren't the most hated thing in that moment for me and i hate them and (laughs) that's hard i oh man that that it was hard to watch it was awful it was pretty bad they did kind of zone in on the whole penis thing and just kept going that's if you turned if you turned that Guys. song into a dick joke drinking game, we would all have liver failure at the 15 second mark. May okay. I provide a different perspective here though? Yeah, and maybe they that. didn't give a shit because they were sick and tired of how masturbatory they've been with that goddamn book the last few weeks. Seriously. Shut the fuck up. We know they have a book. Anyone who cares has bought it. You don't need fucking segment after segment to say, hey, look, these guys are here. Here's our book. This is the story of Matt and Nick Jackson, seen through their eyes. Over the past 20 years, they have documented their tireless journey, their triumphs, and their tribulations. And now they are ready to share their adventures with the world in their new book. One day, let's grow up and let's be professional wrestlers. This is the story of two brothers that became two loving fathers that went on to become the best tag team in professional wrestling today. This is the story of the Young Bucks killing the business. Young Bucks, we're killing the business.
Which is kind of amazing, considering they run most of the show already, and now they have a book to shill on top of it. I mean, if JR gets to shill his barbecue sauce, why can't yes, the Young Bucks shill? Yes, but why are letting people shill like that? Seriously, it sounds so unfucking professional. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Kenny Omega, I'm mad that I don't get to, like, talk about my supplement deal on in, like, actual TV time beyond his just entrance. <laughs> he doesn't get the full commercial like the Young Bucks do. Sick of the Young Bucks just in general. I'm really mad they're the champions. I hope FTR takes the titles back at some point in the, you know, next week. That would be great. Um, I'll settle for the next month. But, like, you know, the next 72 hours would be, you know, a good time for them to lose. I'm only sick of it because I first saw them in TNA, like, over a decade ago. And they were the same freaking characters, and I didn't think that was possible. I'm just yeah, sad to now. I will ask this because I asked it to Andy um, when we watched this. So, if you were Tony Khan and you had the opportunity to drop one of your EVPs, so you can either drop Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, or Young Bucks, who are you dropping? The Young Bucks. Young Bucks. I'm the same way. Same. <laughs> even <laughs> even with my noted dis- disdain for Cody, the Young Bucks. People cheer for Cody. <laughs> like, like I mean, I may not like what Cody does, but people like, but people watch and like what Cody does. And Cody at least tries to have coherent storylines. Not we're gonna kick Marvez in the face, and then we're gonna act like we're, and then we're gonna break Tony Schiavone's phone, and then we're gonna act like nothing happened. Well, I'm still a Cody Rhodes Mark. They're well, they're also currently Cody now. They're all, the Young Bucks are now cur- also currently in one of my big pet peeves with impact or with AEW of all right we have these rankings and these rankings are super important which is why we're gonna give the hybrid two the chance to just jump those rankings when they don't deserve to and not give the teams that are above them in the rankings anything sounds right which is why I don't see the point in the ranking system doesn't fucking matter doesn't do anything. And it has no bearing on the story. Why do we even have that? It only doesn't work when they ignore it. If they're able to like keep up with it, you have to be consistent with it. Yeah, that's the only way it works. Like Taz, like the the team Taz storyline right now of Darby and not Darby of Ricky and Cage being ranked but not getting any title opportunities. That that's a good story for for using these rankings. But you need to use those rankings consistently through all of your divisions if you're going to have them. Speaking of Ricky Starks and the Taz faction, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs? Yeah. Holy crap. That's... I Wow. He's a big, beefy boy. I don't really like the orange, though, but I understand that's the Team Taz thing. I think he just looks like a big traffic cone. Kind he of. does, but I'm thinking that everyone's kind of getting colors now. Just, you got your black and purple, you got your black and orange. It's getting real teamy here. Real overwatchy. I, I just want them to change his name from Powerhouse Hobbs to The Powerhouse Will Hobbs, because that sounds so much better. <laughs> Power Hobbs. Will Power. I mean, Will I know they're still Hobbs. trying to go with the whole, like, they were using the Will Power, like, gimmick, which I do enjoy, which I thought was really good. But just calling him Powerhouse. It sounds like a brand of like pressure washers. <laughs> Buy our new Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs. <laughs> Powerhouse Hobbs. So, um, actually, what going into the Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes match, um, and I feel like this is kind of the story coming out of Winter is Coming that makes me like elevated in terms of like this. This I feel was a very good event. Because in every situation that they seem to have, where they have an established talent doing something, they make sure to elevate someone who's either on your younger side or someone who's like the in-house talent of AEW. This basically puts Darby Allen and Ricky Starks into like your main and upper card and i think that's important and that's even before sting debuts and stares at people so <laughs> what what do people think about team taz or uh 
Ricky Starks or Darby Allen ceiling. I know Darby Allen is TNT champion right now, but kind I, of- I'd like I'd like to see him get a, like a nice uh, like have a nice run with that title. I like his skateboard entrance. Um, I I like the new face paint. I feel like him having a title. It it changed his. It changed something about him. He stands up a little straighter. It it feels like he's not fucking around anymore. If that makes sense, I. He's, it, he definitely wasn't. Se- he didn't seem to be taking a lot of bumps on like his neck and back a lot. So I think he's learning he's that better maybe, care of himself. Yeah, he should have some longevity. It's it's nice to see. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm a I'm a fan of where he's going. I would like to see him. Because the TNT title is like the the mid card, you know, intercontinental title. I'd like to see him kind of maintain a position as king of the mid card, kind of like the Miz. I'd like to hear more of his promos. I'd like to see him be a little less emo in those promos. I know that's part of the gimmick, but you can be you can be serious and sad at the same time and not sound like a weasel. And I think if he lets that aspect of his character evolve along with everything else, he has a really solid future as like a, a mid-card king. I agree. So like bring on the anger. Like he has a really, really solid title run in his future. He just has to keep up the mid-card king thing going. Like if he could get some really good storylines underneath his belt with different big guys. Get some really good matches going right now. By the time it's time for him to get a title shot, it's going to be a huge deal. My only issue is once he gets a title shot, his whole thing is being an underdog. Once he's up there, what what do you do with that? I mean, Daniel Bryan kept it going. He was great as a heel. I'm curious, what is Darby Allen like as a heel? That's how you know you have some longevity there. I I need to see. So so far with Darby Allen in AEW, the only two real feuds we've seen him have are his like respect feud with Cody and then this feud with Team Taz, which he is in with Cody being his partner in it. And I wanna see I wanna see what they can do with Darby when Darby is not doesn't have anything to do with Cody. Put him put take him away from the established like Cody being established and Cody being Cody and put him on his own and have that. And then like that's what I'm interested to see. And I think that'll be a better indication of his ceiling is when we see something like that. Well, like, you're not wrong. Damn. Okay. <laughs> it's I know it's you're right. That's that it's it's like Randy Orton in evolution. It's yeah, you're gonna get, you know, this far because Ric Flair and Triple H are here. What can you do by yourself? How yeah. good are how good is your character work? How good is your in-ring work? How good is everything when you're not being mentored and propped up by the nightmare family you know yeah because it's not just cody because if he has cody that means he also has arn anderson and gold dust and brandy and everybody else that's part of that you know little circle and and the gun club (laughs) and whatever random ass jobbers on dark are suddenly in the nightmare family (laughs) and the most important member of the who the was most here imp- for a week? Don't forget the most important member of the ni- of the Nightmare Family, QT Marshall. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Poor QT Marshall, you cowards! <laughs> uh, I'm putting that on a shirt. <laughs> everyone knows that the everyone knows that the real way that that AW is going to make money is you're going to ki- those they're going to kick uh, Chris Jericho out of the inner circle. And replace him with QT Marshall as the leader of the inner circle. So, Andy, since you tend to look at big picture stuff, um, and this is the big Sting debut after WWE pulled his merch and kind of everyone was figuring this sort of thing were ha- was happening. Um, so, Winter is Coming pulled in 913,000 viewers and pulled a... Uh, 18 to 49 demographic rating that was tied with college basketball for number one for just Wednesday cable ratings. Um, on top of that, Sting shirt sold the most on pro wrestling tees in the first 24 hours of any shirt that 
has existed on pro wrestling tees. And Sting's appearance was the 10th most searched topic on the internet for December 3rd. And the clip of his AEW debut peaked at number three on YouTube's trending feed. Do you think this is a sign that AEW is growing and tapped into something? Or do you feel like it's more a flash in the pan? Well, I think if we're talking specifically in terms of staying, it's a bit of both. You know, previously, were they kind of, you know, still an unknown quantity and Sting showed up? It would probably have some like a cameo effect, right? People would be interested, but they wouldn't take it seriously. So the fact people take it seriously means that AEW has some weight behind them. Now, him showing up obviously a bit as to how much of that weight is theirs and how much they're borrowing off of him. But effectively, we can make the assertion that if they're bringing on these people and doing what they're doing, even if the segments are him just literally staring people to death, we can really go down the hole to say, well, I think we can go down the hole to say that, hey, we are now at basically a tipping point where the right talent draws in heavily. And it's a balancing point. It's the shift where they, I think they start to go from a small promotion to a bigger promotion. Not that they were ever really small or had small finances with Tony Khan, but it's, you know, it's probably a grounding point to be able to start to see things like that. So this okay. is showing we're at least on the level that TNA was on before. This is at least getting them attention. This is, hey, we were able to get Sting. We were a legit wrestling organization. Pay attention to us. We are a threat. But that's exactly what TNA did. It's the exact same thing. It's the same move. But there's there's more to it than that, though, because, right, we know they have a lot of money behind them. We know if Tony Khan wanted to throw money at this thing, he could get probably everyone. He can pay probably better than anyone. Okay. So there's a certain amount of doubt that you'd get with that, I would think, that says, hey, he could just be hiring people. But when people react that way and say, hey, they're Sting and on AEW and get excited, that means that they're excited that, of what AEW will do with the talent. And I think that's the bigger flag. Yeah, it it honestly feels to me, especially with the pro wrestling tease thing, that the thing that AEW has is they have a fan base who is ready to spend money. If they wait for a debut and suddenly Sting does really well, it's not like Matt Seidel sold a bunch of t-shirts on pro wrestling tees when he debuted, but he also fell on his head right from the beginning. So that's probably neither here nor there, but it, it feels like they're doing more than TNA was because at the end of the day, when TNA was doing well, it was still the Jeff Jarrett show and it was still being run by Vince Russo. And they were not using the legacy stars to give the rub to younger stars. In fact, they're doing the opposite. They bring in Kurt Angle and he just beats the, beats the hell out of Samoa Joe. So I think that while the, um, the comparison is something to be wary of, I think I see AEW making moves that show that they are taking this in a sort of different route than age-old Impact or age-old TNA was because now they're Impact and they're owned by an owl. It doesn't make me curious what they're going to do with Sting after WWE pretty much did the same thing years ago, made this big hullabaloo. We finally have Sting, and then he injures himself. So Seth Rollins, oh, Seth did Rollins that. oh, that's right. That's you again, Rollins. Jesus Christ, man. All right, I so, don't think he's going to be wrestling. I don't think they want him to die. Yeah, I was going to say they'd probably be better using him as, you know, kind of effectively a force that enters under certain circumstances. <laughs> Again, so be, exactly. He doesn't he, even talk. He just kind of shows up. He, 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 the best way that AEW can use him right now is the best way that WCW ever got out of him, which is we're going to put him up in the rafters and just show him on camera because can't he can't wrestle. He is not good at talking. So... But I, they could use him in ways like when they used to do the whole thing with Taker where the lights would go out and he'd just like appear when the lights came back on and like, you know, chokeslam someone through the ring, right? They could do a similar thing where he appears, pulls out his bat, knocks a couple people the fuck out, and then is gone. They could do kind of a haunted streak with him, I think, if they played it right. You're right, and I'm mad you're right, and people are going to eat it up. I don't think, <laughs> I think, I don't the... think anybody running AEW is smart enough to do that, though. <laughs> My only issue with that is, like, if you're having him get physical with somebody, he eventually that comes with the he's going to need to get his comeuppance and get 
eventually someone's you're going to need to see him take a hit back, and I don't think he can do that right now. Yeah, I think the only thing that you could literally do is like, oh, Sting got his comeuppance off screen. Harry is laying down in the hallway. Exactly. (laughs) Guys, like, um, I'm I'm gonna say two words here: post production. Yep. Post production would probably help. I mean. Yeah, I mean, let that be a film segment. I don't think anyone would really care that they're keeping him safe by doing it that way. But they could still tell a full story of him getting his in the end. He's wearing paint. We could legit cast another wrestler as Sting for the match and just bring him in for close-ups. We could get away with it. Okay, just me. All right, cool. I'm a little afraid because this upcoming Dynamite, they are advertising Sting Speaks, and that seems like a very good way to... Ruin Sting. It's like having uh, a little promo. And having someone else dress up as Sting, all that reminds me of is I think it was this most, the Talking Shop of Mania 2 that Gallows and Anderson did back at the beginning of November, where they had Heath Slater dressed up as Sting for some reason, because that is just the most outlaw mud show bullshit show. And it's hilarious, but it's not good. Maybe some extreme close-ups. <laughs> Dutch angles. <laughs> so moving on to the main event, the we're back to 30-minute uh, Kenny Omega matches. Um, with uh, Kenny Omega defeating John Moxley for the title in a weird finish, but the but strangely enough, the story coming out of this is not John Moxley losing the title. It is the fact that Kenny Omega is running to impact. And <laughs> we are going to learn the the fate of the current AEW championship on impact. And by the way, to give numbers again, after Dynamite, people crashed Impact's website. Was <laughs> it just search what is an impact? <laughs> what the hell is access tv oh wait i can watch it on twitch so there we go so yeah here's the, in, so here's the thing um so before i get into what i think tony khan's play is here by working with don Callis and with impact what did you think about actually bringing in another promotion to do this sort of thing it's like a reverse invasion, and I love it. I, I love the cross-promotion. I love the... It's kind of like the territories, you know? Yes. Ohio yeah. Valley, um, uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah. it's like bringing, it's like bringing that back, except now WWE did a thing by creating <laughs> their own Ring of Honor of NXT. So I see these guys getting together and having their own little war. That's only beneficial and i'm looking forward to seeing who kind of drops in at random every week they took what they did of nwa superstars showing up for their pay-per-views and decided why don't we just do that all the time now you never know who's going to be dropping by and that's an advantage that wwe doesn't have it's also a nice way to it's like it's like a rising rising tides raise all ships you know now nwa power uh impact and AEW, they they're just gonna be rotating talent. When you have talent, I think New Japan is in there too. Yeah, but there there's travel restrictions because of the coronavirus. Because Americans don't know how to act. When you have a rotating pool of talent like that, if you are able to develop cross promotional stories and do them in a way that engages the audience to watch multiple hours of programming a week across different networks and channels. You're you're going to squash a company like WWE. If you do it right, if you play your cards right, if you build this and don't don't get caught up in crushing them, get caught up in telling good stories and you'll crush them just automatically. That's true. Vince McMahon was kind of preoccupied with making WCW look stupid and making ECW look stupid. I don't think there'll be any of that animosity here, so now this storyline by default already has a leg up. I am excited. I I liked Impact Wrestling, you know, circa, you know, 2006, 2007. Yeah, 2006, 2007. We saw TNA in Chicago in 2013. 13? Yep. So, and and by then it was not great. 
Um, <laughs> it was. It wasn't even in Chicago. It was in some like tiny arena outside of Chicago. Half the show was aces and eights. So we got to hear the entrance music again and again, and they filmed two shows back to back. So we heard it again and again twice. It was awful. But yeah. I'd, I'd like to see what impact NWA and AEW can build together collectively. I'm excited. Yeah, the game isn't to do what WWE is doing. The game is to do what they're not. And now I'm now my eyes are on them. What are you going to do with this? The ball's on you. The ball's in your hands. Spotlight's on you. I found it. I found it. <laughs> yeah, Ace, I actually have a question for you here. So um, when I was listening to the Pro Wrestling Torch and listening to Wade Keller talk about this, he, he called um, the relationship with impact interesting in that he saw he um i believe his actual quote was i see no um i see no audience that aw can pull from impact that will help aw go for go forward so i really don't know what they're doing considering the kind of on again off again relationship that Tony Khan seems to be having in talks with New Japan. Do you think it's possible that this relationship with Impact Wrestling, this relationship with NWA, are kind of made to show that they can work with other promotions in good faith in an effort to get the cash cow that would be a partnership with New Japan? I I think so. It'll. I think it'll. It, this will do nothing but help the prospect of a New Japan relationship with AEW, because especially because New Japan has shown recently that they are open again to working with Impact Wrestling. They're bringing in Chris Bay from Impact Wrestling for uh, Super J Cup, and for the longest time, New Japan refused to work with Impact because of how Impact treated Okada when Okada was doing his excursion. So fair. Also. I think the big, the biggest boon that for this relationship right now is the fact that Harold Meiji is no longer the pre, is no longer the president or her, whatever his position was for New Japan, because nobody cared for Harold Meiji, nobody on the roster, nobody within the wrestling business cared for Harold Meiji. It's also been reported that Tony Khan has spoken to Rocky Romero a lot about a potential relationship with New Japan, and Rocky Romero. Is one of the longest tenured North American like American wrestlers with New Japan at this point. So I think this shows like there's. I think this makes everything just more. It's now just a matter of time before we get this working relationship with New Japan and AEW, rather than it being a pipe dream that it could that people were thinking it was six months ago. So Andy, bringing it to you, um, where do you see potential pitfalls in? AEW working with other promotions like NWA, Impact, and even potentially New Japan? Do you think it could dilute their product potentially? I think it could, but I think that they're honestly smart enough, and especially when they're working with other ones like New Japan, where their bookers have to basically agree which talent goes where. I think they can pull that off. I think the question is going to come down to where you see a lot of these types of things like break down in other situations and other businesses that they have a trouble establishing a equal tone amongst multiple partners because going into it it's not like you're among a group of equals you know it's it's hard to say but you're not right if wwe wanted to work with them and you know new japan wanted to work with them that would have a different feeling than impact right they bring more weight and so what you can see happen a lot of times is that they either become abusive of the smaller groups or that they basically try to force the smaller groups to work at the same level the bigger groups do, which the little groups can't do. So I'm more worried about it breaking down if they can't create a consistent interface between the companies than I am with it being an issue of the talent getting diluted. I, I do have a fear for Impact that this the, that uh, their relation the, the relationship and use of AEW talent is going to just undercut anything they have been building in their with their especially with their main event scene because Rich Swan is currently Impact World Champion and Rich Swan is good. Rich Swan is not Kenny Omega. Rich Swan is not John Moxley. 
And so you're taking that attention from your world champion and putting it on someone else when who is who your world champion is not near the league of. Yeah, we're, working with Impact specifically feels very much like a um, like more takeover type thing because it it feels like one of the main benefits of Impact aside from the uh, the historical relationship with New Japan is access to your women's division or access to their women's division, rather. I don't think that there's a whole lot of talent in the singles division that I would maybe swap in for people on on the regular AEW Dynamite show. And granted, Tony Khan has expressed interest in turning AEW Dark into two shows. Thank God, because one of them is two hours and 45 minutes long at this point. But it just, it seems like the uh, both NWA and Impact are not long for this world if the pandemic stays. Right. There, there are a few people on Impact's roster that I think if you put them on AEW's roster, they can make an immediate impact. But those names are Eddie Edwards, Sammy Callahan, and Chris Bay. And that from their men's singles roster, that's it. I think their tag teams will make, I I if you, I want you to give me FTR versus the North and just pump that into my veins right now because I think those are the two best tag teams in the world. But again, outside of three men, three names in their singles in their men's singles division, possibly four with Moose if Moose didn't get back into the gear he used to be in. So, any final thoughts on Winter is coming as a whole on AEW in general or? Anything you feel like before getting into best things in wrestling this week? I am very curious about your future now of Kenny Omega as champion. I'm, uh, I'm curious <coughs> about what this means for your storylines, about what this means for having a heel champion. Because up until now, we've had just, well, face. Just FaceTime, well, since Jericho anyway. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm not big on John Moxley, so I feel like this might be what draws me back into watching on a weekly basis again. There was a sequence of moves done by Hangman Page in the first match. And I really hope I'm really I'm really one looking I'm looking forward to seeing more of his singles action now that he's not a tag team champion. I'm excited for that. He is very talented and it's nice to see him go off on his own and show his athleticism independent of Kenny Omega and what he has to offer in a tag team dynamic. And that was, it was a beautiful thing to watch. He like bounces, skin the cat, skins the cat forward off the ropes, clotheslines the guy. It was, it was, there, there was a kip up in there. <laughs> it, that is a very pretty man. That is a very pretty man. I, I know the sequence. It was a fallaway slam into a kip up into which he was knocked out of the ring and into the dark order. The Dark Order then threw him back into the ring when she closed on the other guy and looked badass while doing it. Then Matt Hardy was a jerk and threw him outside of the ring. Yeah, fuck Matt Hardy. That pissed me off. It, see, he just ruined everything Hangman Page was doing. That was that the most was, likable moment all year. It's, I, I, I think I might have slept on Hangman Page. You sure did. I, and, and Tony's never going to let me live that down, ever. So uh, When we get into best things in wrestling, I actually have two to kind of go into that. <laughs> I, my biggest take, my biggest thing with Hangman Page right now, because I love Hangman Page and what they're doing with the story and his in-ring work. I need him to go back to using that last shot pile driver as his finisher rather than the buckshot lariat, because I feel the buckshot lariat is too contrived of a move to be a finisher. I agree. I have to have my opponent standing in the middle of the ring. I then have to exit so that I can then re-enter the ring to give him a clothesline to pin him. It's 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 extra. It's extra for no reason. I think that's a. I think that should be like a signature move, provided perfect storm of timing and opportunity. Um, but no, it definitely should not be a finisher. I agree. It's kind of the spirit bomb of wrestling moves. <laughs> Andy, any least power bomb is the spirit bomb of wrestling moves because <laughs> it's called the spirit bomb. Well, it needs more setup time. <laughs> So, Andy, any final thoughts from you before getting into the best things in wrestling? I think we've got it pretty good, guys. Okay, perfect. So, 
Best things in wrestling, I will go first just because I need to bring it up here. Um, so first thing is regarding Hangman Adam Page because I find it funny that... So I was talking to uh, my friend Daisy who watched um, watched part of Full Gear with us. And the thing that amused me was that she had the entire arc of my feelings on Hangman Page within a post on Facebook Messenger. Because I was trying to get her opinions of various wrestlers in AEW. And kind of like the, I'm going to show my my child various people from Game of Thrones and get what she thinks their names are type thing. And so this is her reaction to Hangman Page, because I showed her two segments. One was the Hangman Page gets drunk and lives in the woods, and the other was just a Hangman Page entrance that he's had. And her reaction is thus, much better in the woods. The first one is a guy I would date and then quickly regret it because he's too much. The second one is a guy who, actually, the more I watch it, it's kind of growing on me. He's working that outfit. Go, guy. I hope you enjoy your pool party. <laughs> oh, Daisy. Oh, that's precious. <laughs> I hope you enjoy your pool party. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But the other best thing in wrestling this week is that... Um, so the Acclaim have been wrestling on Dark a lot. Um, but... In every single win they've had, um, I don't know the Acclaim's name. The guy who raps in the Acclaimed, who tends to get the pin, does this weird thing where he kisses his opponent's hand and, like, generally, like, acts weirdly pervy about the whole thing. And finally, on Dark, uh, Taz and Excalibur was like, what's with the weird hand thing? <laughs> i'm glad that they noticed what i noticed uh my my best thing in wrestling this week uh john moxley and renee young are having a girl uh yeah gender reveal cake on instagram i'm really excited for them i think of all the people all the famous people that have gotten pregnant this year they seem to be the happiest about it. Um, I and that's that's impressive because uh, Sarah Rowe and Eric Rowe the, yeah. from NXT they were pretty hype about their kid. Um, they're but, still pretty hype. You just see the picture right now. They have like this whole Viking outfit and shit. They have like Viking pregnancy pictures. And it looks cool as shit. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Viking pregnancy pictures. I if I'm ever pregnant, the answer is no. We're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, I hope I'm never pregnant, but if I ever am, no, we're not doing Viking pregnancy photos. I know Photoshop guy, Marlon. Don't worry. Thank you. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's my best thing in wrestling this week. Pink, pink it's a girl cake for John Moxley and Renee Young. They're going to be fun parents. That kid's going to have like a baby newborn leather jacket. It's going to be great. I'm excited. My, my, my best thing in wrestling this week is really just more Team McAfee. I didn't think I could like anybody more than Undisputed Era. They found a way to make me like Undisputed Era as a face team, and they found the ultimate heel team here. They took over WWE NXT's Instagram, and it was just bullshit, like just throwing a medicine ball on the ground to sink shit, like just Adam Cole's face. And then he's like whacking uh, a punching bag, and like, yeah, this is Bobby Fish's face. <laughs> just like whipping up these ropes, like this is Bobby Fish's stupid mustache. It was just dumb, childish, eighth grade bully shit that I'm into in just wrestling. They're acting like cartoons, and I love when they lean into that. Wrestling's not that serious, and I love seeing Pat McAfee have a blast with it. And I think that's why I like him so much. Fuck Pat McAfee. Woo! Um, Fucking hate Pat McAfee. Uh, I think my best thing in wrestling is gonna be i watched i listened to the first two episodes that are out now of renee young's podcast renee paquette's podcast oral sessions and the first one is her just interviewing john moxley and john moxley is an and just an interesting human being to hear just to hear him talk about his life 
But then there's another, her second episode is essentially her and Moxley interviewing Josh Barnett. And <laughs> Josh Barnett, as interesting as I thought John Moxley was, Josh Barnett may be legitimately the most interesting man in the world. He is a person wow. who can truthfully say things like, I did not take part in the GCW Josh Barnett's Bloodsport event in August because, in, because I had already made a commitment to a couple weeks later go and fight in a bare-knuckle boxing fight with elbows in Poland. And so I had to be ready for that. He talks about how he owns his own... He talks about his own, like, his own line of whiskey. He talks about his collection of weapons and knives and how John Moxley also collects weapons. And that Moxley and Samoa Joe send each other weapons. Just, it is... It's been... uh, The first two episodes have been really fun, and and I want to see... And I can't wait to hear more. Eh, and just you should give it a listen if you haven't. Okay, Andy, do you have a best thing in wrestling this week? I do, but it's going to pale in comparison after Ace now, so I kind of wish I went first. <laughs> uh, for me, I was just really happy to see Thunder Rosa again. Um, I really like seeing her coming in. I want to see more of her. Please, AEW, please get a contract with her. Please make her your champion. She's the best thing about your women's division. She's not technically in it. I agree. I I she is the best thing about the women's division. It was nice to see Sheeta do a promo kind of for a little while. You know, that was cool. But yeah, Thunder Rosa is the AEW women's champion would elevate the women's division significantly. I'm here for that. So this has been Fantasy Bookers, and just so I don't need to do a separate outro, you can follow us on Twitter at fantasy underscore bookers i'm doing the twitter first this time you can follow us on facebook at fantasy bookers and you can follow us on instagram at fantasy bookers um you can follow suzette and marlin's art they also did the podcast artwork at lily hawk inc are you guys doing anything interesting on lily hawk inc right now right now we just finished inktober we're getting back into digital stuff we have some some surprises in a way we're working on some stuff for you guys Awesome. And speaking of interesting things, um, as I mentioned mid-episode, I will probably be working on some mini-episodes to kind of do the do the whole end-of-year thing, especially since my schedule is somewhat opening up. Anyway, this has <laughs> been fan- Fantasy Bookers. I will, for the first time, use the moniker that no- that everyone else uses. If you can book it better, I guess you can book it yourself. But... Hey. I am going to end the recording now.